so okay nagana go meko chees chester komaki my name is red thunder woman my married english name is michelle robinson and i use she and her pronouns native calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the nitsatapi which is the blackfoot confederacy the blackfoot south of the imposed u.s canadian border are the blackfeet north of the border are the siksika ganai and bagani of the confederacy these lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, composed of the Wesley, Chinookee, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Dene from the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, status, non-status, Inuit, across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous or treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot. I was born here in Calgary, born Blackfoot Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknife Dene. My father is so Canadian, and the daughter of a Mayflower, and the daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage, and that I was born in Calgary, well, my family is not part of this area. They're not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Quincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning uh, horse town named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging my role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I learn the proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or, mis any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, Call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there is also a text option at hopeforwellness.ca. Uh, and for non-Indigenous, there are distress, uh, distress center lines in your area. Uh, my Patreon account is, is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We also have iTube or sorry, YouTube channel that I'd like for you to just subscribe to. And for podcasts, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I'd like to give a shout out to my super loyal donors of Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Beth, Brian, Kat. Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jana, Jenny, uh, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Lisi, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Woo! That's a, I love my problems of having to say all those names. <laughs> With me today, I have somebody um, who's actually incredibly influential in my life. Uh, his name is Tank, and Tank, I'd love to have you introduce yourself. Uh, okay. It's not going to be anything like your introduction. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I'm Tank, and I'm an artist that lives in Calgary. And... Uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I really appreciate you introducing yourself and, and letting people know. Um, as an artist, you actually, you probably don't even know it, but I was telling my husband yesterday, we had crossed paths and uh, I had found out you did the Marlboro Mall, um, like those scare centers. And I, I mean, that impacted me forever. I haven't been to a scary movie or anything that is as good as that. And I, uh, I think it's just such a testament to your art. And, um, and now I've been working with you that uh, I've been able to tell you that your, your work has influenced uh, the two tattoos I have on my arm. Uh, they're both because of you. So I just have been really excited to, to show other people who you are and, and what you've done and, 
and tell us a bit about your life and your journey so that uh, I, I believe we're the same age, that uh, there's a lot of people that would be inspired to know more about you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to start with uh, the story of the first tattoo that I, I met you uh, because of. So we have a local artist here. Uh, her name would be Danny, and uh, they changed their name to their Blackfoot name now. So it's um, it it means Rain Woman, and uh, I it really excited to have her sh share this event that you were working on. It was a fundraiser for digital art, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, you know. What, what you're passionate about when it comes to other folks taking this film and, uh, or animation, sorry. Um, well, I, I got the idea to do a fundraiser, especially for animation. Uh, I noticed that um, a family had come in and uh, they couldn't afford, or they had said something that maybe it was too much money for them. And, um, the kid, he, he looked a little rough around the edges. I, was like, I saw a lot of myself in him. And um, I'm like, well, like, what an opportunity it would be for him. Like, he seemed really excited. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I put a tattoo fundraiser together. Not for him specifically, but I just, uh, um, I, I left that quick draw so that anybody did express that they, might be too much that that fun, those funds would be there for them yeah. yeah and that that matters to me because i think uh, a lot of times like uh in i think learning and unpacking a lot of who i am and my intergenerational trauma understanding like the gravity of poverty trauma and i mean even today i'm i still go well i don't know if i can afford that i don't know if i can do that and that's like that trauma that's like from long, many generations now even of, um, you know, not, not knowing that that's a worthwhile endeavor. And I think especially for kids, we don't, we want them to do as good as they can, as well as they can. And I, I love that you've seen that right away and you wanted that for others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saved my life and um, it could potentially save other people's lives. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that. Um, I went through a lot of counseling in my, well, I've always gone through counseling actually. And I, I do a mending broken hearts um, program now for women and for femmes. And so that kind of counseling is always ongoing, but it requires you to use the words, you know, expressing emotions. And um, the one thing I've realized, especially with youth is that sometimes art is their first language and we have to give that space. I learned that I want to say from Dr. Lana Whiskey Jack. It, it, it's a Cree Northern Cree person who went went to school at uh, at Blue Quills, and she said that English wasn't her first language, that Cree wasn't her first language, but art was, and that has really resonated with me ever since. And I've um, really appreciated that as a life lesson. I wish I would have learned that sooner in my life than in my forties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been drawing since I could hold a pencil. Some of my first memories are of me drawing. That's amazing. I'm happy. I uh, I wish I would have done that sooner and expressed myself, um, you know, through art in some capacity. What are some of the other mediums that you like to do, or that uh, you you have done maybe, and that you realized wasn't your your style? Um. Well, maybe it's not that uh, that wasn't my style. I just, um, the, I don't there's just too much cool stuff in the world and not enough time to do it in. I want to no. do it as I can. Right? No truer words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I usually work in a medium until either I find a new interest or I've gotten the best I could with the time I gave myself. Um, so uh, before it was, uh, uh, well, I started with just a ballpoint pen, line paper, in my school books. <laughs> the school books, yeah, that was my, that was probably my first medium, just in the margins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
and then uh, and I started off really early with with makeup effects. Like Halloween was always a big deal, and uh, I'm the oldest of eight kids, so I would line up all my brothers and sisters and buy whatever makeup stuff I could, or um, use latex and toilet paper to put on their face and stuff. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah. So all of us were all just little monsters running around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, but literally during Halloween, literally. <laughs> yeah, but it was all year round though. It wasn't just Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that's good though. That's fun. Hola. Where did you grow up, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I grew up in a small town, Chatham, Ontario. It's uh, a little bit outside Windsor. Ah, what's it like there? <laughs> I don't know what it is now, but um, I, I haven't been there maybe 20 years or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you have to understand, I've only been in Alberta. So, okay. yeah, like, uh, geez, I can't remember how old I was, but it was just recently I seen my first maple leaf. You know, oh. so, like, here's a symbol of Canada, and I've, like, literally never seen one in real life until I went to Ottawa for the first time. Oh, uh, yeah? Yep. <laughs> um, sorry, what was, what was it like there? Yeah, so like even like the, I, I hear that it gets super cold sometimes and super hot. And I mean, here it's pretty like, you know, a hot day is like, we might hit 40 like once a year, maybe, but it sounds like it's always hot down there or it's always like super cold or it's always like super humid. And I don't know. And, and what, what it was like for you, like uh, going to school, if you were inside town or outside town? Uh well, the weather was all of those things. It was really humid and got really cold and it was really hot in the summer. Uh, with it, it's pretty much like a farming, everything around Chatham is all farming. Those were some of my first jobs was working in the field. Maybe I was like 10. Oh, wow. Working in fields, yeah, with my aunts and uncles and my whole family. It, it was hard work, but I, I had a lot of fun with them doing it. I bet. Well, that's good. I'm glad. And you said yeah. you were the oldest. So that means you have lots of little brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I have two brothers that are younger than I. One's a half brother, but you know, it's funny because I don't, I don't really do that. It's like, no, he's just my brother. <laughs> so a lot of that kind of stuff too. Um, the other tattoo that I have is, uh, is actually you were like hugely a part of that as well. So after I got my first one from you, um, and I, I knew I had to get the second one of the pictographs of the Treaty 7 Partners. I approached you right away, and uh, you led me on to a fellow named, named Keith. What, how did you know him? <laughs> um, well, Keith, he used to be also known as the Scorpion Kid. Um, I used to have a traveling freak show. And, uh, and he was a performer in one of them. Um, so he would eat... He was known as a geek. So a geek in freak show terms is someone who eats live. Back then it would have been like bats or snakes. Oh. But he would eat bugs. Um, and that, that, was his, uh, that was his thing. Hola. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a few different performers in there. Uh, Miss Arioli was one of my biggest um, money attractions. I have no idea that you could pull together something like that, too. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun for a while. Uh, I, I used to travel around with carnivals and, and, um, and, and exhibit my, my attraction. Yeah, your art. Like, your art is so, like, it's breathtaking. And I, I, I just wanted to, like, amplify that because I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, artists out there. That need your voice, need your need to see you out there. So I know it. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so, you, so yeah, I, that's how you met Keith, hey? But you knew then you guys, I guess, um, changed paths from that, or or he was doing that both now. Uh, well, we don't do the freak show anymore. I retired it. Um, it ended up being what's known as a grind show. So every 15 minutes you're working, we're just we're just done. <laughs> we're I'm too old, I think. Yeah, fair. That's yeah, totally but then, fair. Yeah, but then we trained Keith. Uh, he was my apprentice for a while in tat uh, at Big Johnson Tattoos. Ah. And, um, and he got to the point where uh, he's tattooing full-time now. That's awesome. 
yeah, no, I was really grateful that you, um, you know, led me towards him. And um, so his boss, his new boss, I, I can't remember the um, group, but he said that it would be okay for us to smudge. So uh, Christy um, Belcourt, she came here and did some face uh, tattoos on a, on a bunch of the women during the walking with her sister's installation. And when we, we were all sitting there, there'd be about 20 of us in a circle and the person getting tattooed laying down and she was, um, you know, it was mainly face tattoos that she was focused on. I'm sure she did arm tattoos as well. And it would just be like one person would sing and one person would sing and one person would sing and we just sing songs until the tattoo was done and we had a smudge going the whole time. So there was like another person and that was their job was to make sure the smudge was going. So um, I was like, okay, so that's the, that's our ways. So when it came to Keith, I asked um, how he would feel about the smudge and his boss said um, she would just be one of our last people that we tattoo. And, you know, I, I knew we couldn't um, have a bunch of people singing and such. So I just, um, you know, brought the smudge and let the biggest smudge that I could, I could and let it run out as it went and, you know, did a prayer before and he was so open to that. His boss was so open to that and it ended up being, like the perfect tattoo in so many ways that sometimes things work out that you don't expect them to work out. And like, for example, the Siksika, their pictograph is like literally at the bow and there was the blue ended up on top of it. So, you know, sometimes that, those things just work out the way they were meant to work out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have seen it on my, you know, I'll share that, that tattoo photo so yeah and it was you were saying that you you know encouraged him so I appreciate that well I'm glad you got the smudge in there it's good for them <laughs> yeah yeah no it was good I was glad to glad to do it so so yeah and I really appreciate you uh you know wanting to chat about this you were saying that you uh do tiki tiki cups or something now uh yeah yeah I've been designing um tiki mugs for uh, maybe since 2012 was my first mud. Um, and when I first got into it, I had no idea how ravenous the fan base for uh, for, for working in this genre is. But it's um, it's pretty crazy to see some of my mugs on eBay for like I'm not seeing a dime of it. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of money, which um, I guess it's like the tiki stock trade kind of. You kind of see what you're worth as a or where you stand in collectability. That is so incredible to me, but you know, that's the whole thing. There's niche markets for so many things and I, I am completely clueless about it. Yeah. Well, and I'm actually kind of just a nerd that listens to the CBC and reads books, but really that like, there's just such a bigger world out there and I'm trying to, trying to see it and see that and you're a part of it by opening up my mind to these things. <laughs> this is one of them right here. Oh, awesome. Can you show it? Like, can you turn it a little too? That is so um, cool. This bar uh, called Cellar Three Three Five, um, I think that's in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. that would be a reason for me to go to New Jersey then. <laughs> so I have a I have a few mugs in different tiki bars around the states. I have one in Vancouver, but I have this idea that I want to just travel around to all the tiki bars and just drink where their uh, where the mugs are native to. I love that idea. You were telling me that you have a lot of roots in uh, Calgary now, or Calgary, California now. Well, I have friends there, and the company that um, that I've done work for uh, is based there. Mm -hmm. And um, and we're trying to be there longer than than a few weeks at a time. So. Yeah, I'd be okay even if it was half the year, just this, just the winter. Oh yeah, well, I'd like to get out of here for winter too. <laughs> Well, that's cool. That's super cool. What are some other things that are coming up that you're kind of excited about? Uh, um, mostly working on animation. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much my main passion right now. Yeah. So I'm always working on, uh, on three, four cartoons at once. Um, so I'm working on this show, this it's called Know You're Weird. I don't know if I want to say too, too much because we haven't released anything yet. Sure. Um, but I'm working with um, 
with another performer from Vancouver, uh, Ravenous Randy Myers. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a comedian, wrestler, uh, all-around good guy. Amazing. Yeah, so we're putting together this cartoon slash interviewish interview type show. Kind of like, uh, uh, you can't do that on television. Do you remember that show? I love that show. And then you would get like the green stuff all squirted yeah. on you if you said the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just got uh, Mankind. I don't know if you know wrestlers at all. I am so out of the loop. I mean, I, I grew up watching like WWF at the time. And then because I was born here in Calgary, like Stampede Wrestling. Sure. Like it was, wasn't just before WWF, but it was also like it would tour. So it came to Sylvan Lake one year and, um, and they, they went all out and did the full, like, you know, um, there was this one character and he had a Jason mask and they smashed his head up against the uh, community center door and left this like bloody mark and I'm sure it's all special effects but it was so cool at the time because I was I don't know 10 maybe <laughs> I was little and then and like I'm I mean I met Owen Hart and Brett um Brett Hart and like all the Hart brothers were there because they were they were they all came to sign our stuff and um give us stuff to sign and and we got to meet them it was like the biggest thing that ever happened to sylvan lake probably i can remember in my childhood so <laughs> uh, it was probably jason the terrible that you saw that sounds right yeah and yeah. Uh, that was not special effects that was real blood that was real how come you know that there would there'd be no it would be too hard be, it's way easier just to get color is what it's called um like to make someone bleed for real than it would be too operate some special effects in front of everybody. That's so incredible. Yeah, no, it, and, and it looked like it hurt a lot. Like, I'm not gonna lie. And then now that I'm older, my husband actually came across this documentary about Jake the Snake Roberts and how like crippled he really was about the whole thing and how he was crippled. And I, I felt so bad because here I was enjoying these like, like, I mean, they even had like a, a, a cartoon for a, the Hulk Hogan crew. You know, like I watched all of it, that was, like I was totally into that then but then it just seemed like after it changed from WWF to WWE and they they just changed it really a lot and I I just kind of I maybe I just got older too I don't know yeah um yeah WWE isn't the only uh promotion on TV anymore there, there's yeah. some really really cool stuff going on in wrestling yeah hey yeah. And you're right in that world it sounds like um yeah well I'm a huge fan for sure um I, I do some t-shirts at, um, for some wrestlers every once in a while just recently this would have been maybe last year they were going to have at marlboro mall or marlboro community center like uh, a relief like a group i had never heard wrestlers and i was like hey is this going to be like a new stampede type of wrestling note and I, I was getting excited but it just wasn't working out that i could uh, learn more about it so do you know much about that like a local wrestling group uh well i think Mostly it's RCW and PWA that is operating around here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, Teddy Hart will uh, bring Stampede uh, Wrestling back. Yeah. But uh, but it's not as often as the other uh, indie shows. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I like the um. I, I like the this the good versus evil, and I like when it's a clear good guy and a clear bad guy. And the bad guy is always doing underhanded things and he'd do something and run away and he's, and he's cowardly and and you get to you you get to boo him it's like that's that is not the kind of person i want to be i want to be more like someone like owen hart yeah yeah i know yeah. we used to walk my uh, dog by his grave actually and uh, a while ago but my my dog passed away since um i love that i I um, really miss those days where it was so obvious who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. And Jesse Ventura was always like the bad guy. But then the older I got, like I read his book, I ain't got time to bleed. And I followed him as a governor. And it was like, how come all wrestlers don't end up like Jesse Ventura? <laughs> but his book actually talked about um, him trying to unionize all the wrestlers. And it was actually Hulk Hogan, the guy who is like the good guy. He was the bad guy really behind the scenes from keeping them from unionizing yeah 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 it is um 
it, it, it is predetermined, but that does not mean there's not competition within wrestling because there's there, there's tons. Is there hey? Oh yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Do you know Jason the Terrible? Whatever happened to him? Um, actually, I saw him not too long ago uh, at a at a show, but he's an old guy now. He's he. I don't know. He's probably in his sixties or something. Easily, and I just I you know I want good things for um, those folks that you know, made my childhood like something. I looked forward to Saturday evenings because uh, there was the main event. Like, so we would even go to bed early at like eight o'clock. My dad would wake us up so we could watch the main event. And then we go back to bed. Like, I'm not even joking. This is like our ritual that we would do. And I totally didn't mind going to bed early on a Saturday night if that meant getting up to watch the main event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those days are long gone. My daughter's not interested in anything like that, but I would love to, uh, you know, support that too because I think that's uh, it's fun. And I like what you said about it being a really clear good guy and a really clear bad guy because yeah. we need more of that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like that um, that hero's journey type. Uh, like if you follow a wrestler and you follow his career, it's that hero's journey of. Um, of like trying to be a good person and um, eat your vitamins and work out. And, like, oh my God, he used to say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's so but cool. Now, but now you can kind of tell who, who is doing kind of a put on. Like Paul Hogan would not get over at all nowadays. Like if he used his old gimmick from the 80s. Yeah. I think people would see through that. There is no way you can have 24 inch pythons and not beyond something yeah it's a little different i would argue that too yeah <laughs> and he's sitting there telling me if i just said my prayers and took my vitamins i could be like him it's a little bit more yeah yeah no i really like that did you ever follow the rock because that that was kind of outside of my time frame of following any of the wwe stuff but then he really was here in calgary and yeah. i don't know if he ever did local wrestling or anything like that here i don't know if he was doing wrestling at the time but he was a stan peter for a while yeah, and he had that really cool, like, fanny pack. I'm just kidding. Fanny packs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was the sunshine boy, and that one picture just always surfaces every so often. Yeah, he looked like a Will Smith haircut, had, like, the black turtleneck, and then he had his fanny pack, and he was the sunshine boy on the sun. You're talking about? That was a Calgary Sun picture? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a meme now. I know, right? It's everywhere. <laughs> Something, some things you can't take back. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I love uh, The Rock. He's, he's really cool. Yeah, um, well, especially nowadays, too. I think uh, he's, he tries to send a good message. Yeah, well, if United States is insistent on having celebrity presence, he, I think he could do a really good job. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I think he's half Hawaiian, too. I'm right. sure. Yeah, and he's half black. Yeah, yeah. So he, I think he's such a good representation for, like, a bigger picture of what American culture actually is compared yeah. to that uh, stuff that they tried to sell you. Back to the Hulk Hogan, eat your vitamins. <laughs> no, this is totally, totally it. And it's like, no, I think there's so much more we got to talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, COVID, how has it affected you and your family? Uh, I've been, I've been really cautious. Uh, It, it, it changed my life actually quite a bit and mostly for the positive. Uh, um, I kind of feel guilty saying that because <laughs> it's not the case for a lot of people. Um, but I moved my studio uh, from, from Quickdraw uh, to home. Uh, they allowed me to bring all the gear to my place. And over this last three months, I've been getting more work done. Uh, I'm cooking again, I'm eating good. Um, have a better relationship with my girlfriend and with my dog. And, um, I go for a lot more walks uh, with my dog, Hot Sauce. Nice. I was lucky enough to meet Hot Sauce yesterday. It was a, like an honor, honor <laughs> to me. I love pups under the best of circumstances. So, yeah, she's really cool. Yeah, really a gorgeous dog too. By the way, you can tell she's loved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, uh, you were talking about. Um, uh, going for walks and it being better. I had a conversation with a friend earlier today and that's, we were talking about Mother Earth giving us a timeout 
and saying you all have to go into your rooms and <laughs> you know just resetting everything because we've we as humans like uh sometimes need that and honestly i've come across so many people have said the same thing where you know they're reconnecting with um with their people and like for me i'm with my husband and my daughter so for us like that has been so good i don't know if my little chihuahua mix can really be away from us now um yeah he he i guess my my daughter and i had to go for a trip up to edmonton and when um, my husband he had to go to the store and he came back and my one dog was like norton he this little chihuahua mix he was like crying and crying and it's like really hey so we got to figure out uh, how to how to help him there because we also had a, another dog who passed away during this covid thing and it actually um you know she she died in her arms and we took her to the vet um to to get her um and well you have to take the dog to the vet after they pass away and um and so he hasn't been alone you know he's always had dogs or somebody with him so i don't know how we're gonna handle that but he's one of those things that you can fit right in your purse or your arm so <laughs> okay yeah yeah so that'll change a lot of things that's for sure um yeah so is there anything else you'd like to share with us uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't you don't know yeah well i need you to know you've been a like it, it's funny because i don't i don't know you know you but your art influenced me and my my family my husband he laughed at me because um He's like, you, I can't even take you to those haunted houses and those horror shows because you just put your head under somebody's shoulder and, and you run, you run through it. But it, I don't care what anybody says. It's worth the money to have the, like every hair stand up in your, on your body. Like that was so much fun. And then, uh, you know, now you're permanently a part of me because I'm tattooed twice now from you. So, and I think you're doing like the, the first tattoo that I got here, um, you know, that really matters to me. I want to see folks think bigger outside the bubble because I didn't grow up that way and you do like you you think bigger and uh, I don't know if you feel comfortable but if you wouldn't mind sharing that one story about um, becoming a carver and and the elders and how they would make you <laughs> um. <laughs> I tell that story every time somebody asks me my tattoos <laughs> uh, so I um Maybe around 2007-ish, I, I took a trip to the island and I was on the ferry and I saw this cover of this magazine. It was like a free magazine. It was in the rack on, on the ferry. And it was so, it, 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 it was recognizable as a West Coast style, but it was, it was darker or more um, natural in a way. And it really drew my attention. And uh, so I picked up the magazine and read it and he had his phone number listed. Uh, the, the artist, Phil Ashby, he had his phone number listed in it. I was like, I have to call this guy and like go see his workshop or, or something. Yeah. And uh, so I called him and I talked to him and I found his magazine and uh, asked if I could, he would invite me down. And he, he actually told me that uh, he had a dream Oh no, I am I'm jumping way ahead of myself. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, so he invited me down and I'd go check it out and uh, and we hung out for a while and we got along, but uh, he he had really stopped carving by that point. Um, he had some issues that he had to have had to work through. And uh, and then I left and then every year I kept going back every year and I made a point to go stop by and see him. And I kept asking him for, he would teach me or apprentice. And he's like, no, he's like, uh, I can't do that. I'm not in that position right now. And every year that I went to go visit him, I noticed that his workshop was getting more and more cluttered. His knives were getting dusty. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe this went on for about three, four years. Um, and yeah, he just he just kept uh, saying no. He's not going to apprentice me. And then uh, in 2010, uh, my wife had died, mm -hmm. and uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do after that. I just 
I was just gonna go up north and I was just gonna keep walking really and just to the edge of the world, I guess. I don't know, I don't know what my plan was. But he was kind of along the way. So I stopped by his house and uh, and he saw that um, that I needed help. So he, so he was like, just just stay here for the month and then we'll try to get you enough supplies so that if you want to go, you can keep going. Mm. Uh, so, so I did, so I did that and, uh, and then little by little, I started cleaning his shop, um, getting it ready for him. And then this other artist, uh, Lionel Samuel, he carves Argelite. Uh, he, he's an amazing artist. He moved in as, as Phil's roommate and that kind of kick-started everything. Lionel, uh, I think influence Phil to continue working and me being there cleaning up his shop. So then all of a sudden we had a carving, a carving shed and we would be working in it. They would be working in it, but they wouldn't allow me to work. I had to sharpen knives and sweep up all the, the, the wood and, uh, and smoke the fish. And, um, and they would send me out into the, into the woods. It would be like, go get some, we need two foot, two foot uh, piece of yellow cedar. He's like, go out there and get it. So I'd go out there, like two, two feet of cedar is pretty, is very heavy to be dragging through the bush. And really, it, it, like some of the pieces I would be dragging out like a horse, like you can chain up a horse to the log. <laughs> but they, were, they, they worked me, they worked me really hard. And then you, uh, they were just messing, messing with me the whole entire time, like I'd bring yellow cedar and I know that they said yellow cedar. And they're like, no, we said red cedar. Go bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> That's elders, though, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they uh, so, some days I would, I'd have to be like, I, I'd have to like calm myself. I'd be getting so mad, but I couldn't say anything. Like, they're, they're giving me such an opportunity. Right. So I had to like, I had to learn how to control these guys just being merciless. It wasn't always like that, but um, there are some days that were, that were pretty frustrating. Oh, I bet. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, after a while, uh, they started to show me some things and um, I would help them mostly at first with uh, particularly Phil's uh, carvings. I'd help him. He, he had a ton of projects on the go and he was, he is, I haven't talked to him in a little bit, he is an amazing artist. Uh, his his style and approach is so unique and 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 different from the West Coast style. But, uh, yeah, I encourage anybody to look up his stuff. Bill Ashley, he's really cool. Yeah, but yeah. I um I really appreciate you sharing that because I love telling people that you got <laughs> you you got some teachings, but it came like <laughs> like. Elders do. They always play with us before we get there. Yeah. Uh, well, the, so we were on this little river. His, uh, well, Bill's property was on this little river, and we didn't end up, we didn't end up doing the carving, but we were going to do like a memorial pole for because I would always walk along the river to to Bill's place, and then uh, they told me this story of these two brothers. Uh, a long time ago, uh, they were killed by uh, a Hudson Bay lynch mob who blamed them for, for killing these two white women. And, with, and everybody um, around there says that they didn't do it for, and that the Hudson Bay just wanted somebody and they were in. So that they ran down the river and they had a shootout with them and they held off, I don't know how many men, just with these, just these two brothers. They eventually had, uh, had, had been killed, but uh, they fended off and, and, and died in that river right, right in front of uh, Phil's place. So he told me that uh, before we start this memorial poll that for the, for the next month, I had to run up and down this river to and from his place to my place. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's what I did until I almost sure I broke my foot and go to the hospital, but it was it, it was hard. Um, but I the whole time I was imagining uh, 
what, what, what they had to go through and, uh, and what it must have been like, like when you turn this corner, that probably would have been a good corner to shoot back at them and you got some cover. Right? Yeah. Oh, uh, la. No, I didn't, I don't remember hearing that part of that story before. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And um, I just want to say, I'm really sorry about your loss of your wife. I know you said it to kind of start it and I, I didn't acknowledge it sooner. And I, I just honor that you would share that. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah she was also, uh, she did a lot of uh, community work and which is really why I, um, why I volunteer my time for a lot of things is really because of her. Mm. Uh, she worked at the, she had the humanitarian of the year award. Uh, oh. by, uh, I think his name was Dave Kanye or Con, the former mayor of Calgary. Sure. Uh, uh, whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he uh, honored her, her with that. Uh, she worked at the YWCA, mm. and uh, so she worked with um, mostly with teenage girls and mostly uh, native teenage girls who were on the street in danger of um, sexual exploitation or or who had pimps and they needed away from that. Yeah. Uh, so she she changed a lot of girls' lives and helped them out of really bad situations. Oh well I'm really honored that you share that with her about that her about that of her with us too. So thank you. And well we can look that up. So I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on my show. I, I do this like super long exit where I talk about um, you know, that bigger picture of what to do when you see racism and things like that. And I'd love, like, I welcome you to chime in as I talk about those things. Um, because to me, the whole reason why I have the podcast, well, first of all, Native Calgarian, the idea is um, a lot of folks call themselves Native Calgarians. And I always kind of go, hmm, what do you mean by that? What nation? And they usually, of course, are non-Indigenous folks. So you know, but just that bigger picture and, and then this week being a huge week because of the uh, change from the Washington and the Edmonton football clubs, not using racial slurs anymore. So, you know, that bigger picture of, you know, taking, taking space and such. So um, we, when we experience racism, I want to give people solutions, um, you know, policies, reports, stuff like that, so that people know. So that's kind of the end part of my podcast all the time is just trying to educate people about some of the issues that we face so you know as I say what I say I just want to encourage you if you feel comfortable to uh, chime in so thank you thank you for being on my show and thank you for for doing this for the work you do the volunteer work you do but the art you bring because um, I'm beginning to believe that uh, you know just as it takes time for it, I have to process what I'm, what I'm experiencing emotionally and um, realizing that art artists, whether, no matter what the medium, they, they help me heal and be able to articulate what it is I'm going through. So I just hope you know um, what you do matters. It matters to me and has helped me in my life. And uh, yeah, I'm just really honored to get to know you at all and meet your puppy, Hot Sauce, and you know. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I showed off your gift uh, to my girlfriend last night. What's that? Uh, the the gift that the gift bag you gave me yesterday. Oh I, yeah. Yeah, I showed it to my girlfriend. And, uh, um, she she said that was pretty lucky to have people to carry on. So. Ah, well, you have a lot of stories to tell, and I hope that uh, as new projects, you know, that you can talk about that you're excited to talk about, like open invitation, come back to my podcast anytime, and you know, tell us about what you're doing because I think uh, you know we all want to celebrate your your work too, right? Like. It, celebration for you with you and 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 to see your actual art it's it's breathtaking and I wish everybody could see it yeah okay I'll say my my spiel here but you know I'm 43 I need my reading glasses now <laughs> um, indigenous have been talking about our issues sharing our traumas in podcasts reports commissions public hearings just so it can be regular regularly disregarded and no more honor our words honor the treaties Listen to the politicians and their platforms and their policies. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with like gender equity plus, anti-racism initiatives, they're cutting 
violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances. Know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, uh, violence prevention programs, and now and reports, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Denying those um, reports, it's a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, uh, institutional um, organizations like the education, the health, uh, multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. They don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, isms. They literally have zero business running. Should be understood by all parties, our local politicians, community organizations, sports organizations. Really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Look at it as first aid for marginalization. First, you have to do something. Having good intentions isn't enough. You have to take action to make change. You have to speak out against racism, homophobia. You have to, you know, find answers to those questions that, uh, that you have, find allies, create a support system for yourself so that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. You got to take responsibility for your learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Don't expect this to come from Indigenous or other marginalized groups. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything that you've so-called learned about Indigenous people or marginalized groups and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And you can go to heretohelp.bc.ca what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it to find out some more. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous or marginalized people experience by the structure of racism. Uh, you know, the Indian Act, Indian residential schools, land clearing policies, these are ideas of structural racism, but out of that creates lateral violence and internalized racism. It's just another form of uh, racism. So you have to learn all of these different structures in order to unpack it. RacialEquityTools.org has some great resources about what internalized racism is by Donna Bevins. And I think right now we're really seeing a great example of that with the Edmonton um, Football Club and having soldier generation saying, no, we love the name, we keep it. But then we have young folks like Kelly Fraser passing away from, you know, all the hate. And I, I think our youth are, are telling us what they need and we need to listen to them. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends uh, Service Committee. They have lots of things about what to do when you see public instances of anti-Black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-racism, or well, racist um, things that you see, other forms of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment. And you know they have tips on how to intervene for the safety of everybody. So do make your presence known. Um, if possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want your support. Move closer to the person being harassed. If possible, if you feel that you can, um, create a distance between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so, um, you know, record, film the incident and take cues from the person being harassed. Are they already engaging and are you supporting them? Can you maybe encourage them to go to another train car or maybe just sit with them? What I always tell people is to give them your card to validate their experience. Um, but do what you have to do to be safe. Assess your surroundings. See if there's others that you can pull in and if you can just move. But don't call the police. Um, for many communities experiencing harassment now from Arab, Muslim, Black, Asian, queer, trans, immigrants, the police can actually cause a greater damage and we don't want to escalate the situation. So the goal is to get the person harassed to safety and not incite further violence. 
but don't do nothing because silence is dangerous. Communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed. Give them your card, communicate your support, and teach your kids about accountability in a positive way because these people are learning it from somewhere. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's a text option as well. Violence is my everyday reality. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone police. Um, many people don't want to hear the voice of Indigenous people and opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs. Usually people who don't know anything about Indigenous people or colonialism or the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, our rights. Nothing but typical microaggressions. And then there's the people dealing with internalized racism who become the gatekeepers, who survive off the status quo. Um, yeah, they deplete the personal resources. So internal and external racism becomes an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I started this podcast, as a boundary to be heard. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for being strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Because through her, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Darcy for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he's witnessed decades of sexism and racism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. And I hope my family and my daughter will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand. Again, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. So thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jana, Jenny, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Lisi, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Tiffany, Vanessa, Veronica, thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or did many and had to quit for financial reasons, I appreciate every second of your support. I, I appreciate every dollar that you gave. Uh, thank you for listening. And, and um, if you can't listen in, but you would love to, I'd love to hear from you at nativecalgarian at gmail.com, or you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, where I'd love to have you subscribe. So for podcasts, we applied on Spotify, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And I want to end by giving that side eye to the Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for listening.